Good morning, church. Very, very good to see you. This is Fifi. Many of you would have known me by now, but some of you wouldn't. I'm from Every Nation Stellenbosch, and I hope in the next couple of weeks and months to be working a lot more with, with you as a church. It's a, it's a real privilege for me to be here, and I, I never take it lightly. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you love your church and that you love your people. And I really pray that this, this message, this word, would go from, from your heart into the hearts of your people. I pray that you would speak life. I pray that you would transform us as we hear your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Great. So I have the privilege of continuing on and doing week three of the series we've been doing, which is Fire and Ashes forged in the flames. Fire and ashes forged in the flames. And Carol started off with a, a, a fantastic message, which is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace. It was a great message, and it really spoke about how fire reveals our idols. And then Andrew came in week two and, and just built on that message, another great message, which is fighting fire with fire. And today I've got a, a message called the fire of eternal perspective. Some of you, when you were younger, would have watched wrestling, or most of you would have actually seen WWE wrestling at some point, and there was a, a character in WWE called The Undertaker. The thing I, I particularly loved about The Undertaker was no matter how much you hit him, no matter how much you beat him up, you know, he, I mean, he would be flat. And then at the moment when you least had expected it, he would just sit up, and there would, the bell would ring, ding. And the character that we're going to speak about today, Paul, from the Bible, is a little bit like the undertaker. Whatever you threw at him, whatever trials, whatever fires he went through, the fires of trials, he would just sit up. So let's read. Acts 20, verse 17 to 24. I particularly love this passage. And this is the kind of passage which can really inspire our lives to much higher heights in God. So as I read, open your hearts. Now from millet, oh, yeah, so this is, this is Paul actually, it's talking about Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God, of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, verse 22 to 24 is saying something like this. It's saying something like, the Holy Spirit is telling me that 
up ahead is just trials and difficulties. I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen in the next season. The only thing I know for sure is that there are trials and difficulties. But I don't count my life as anything. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice it all. I'm willing to go through anything if only I can be faithful to God's call on my life. Now this, like I said, Paul is a, a character to emulate. He's the kind of hero you want to build your life on. I remember a few years ago, maybe about seven to ten years ago, uh, preaching a word um, on this character, Paul, and it was called, Will Your Gospel Transform a Terrorist? I got, I got the title from, from a guy called Tabiti, and um, I preached this message with all my heart, and it was an inspiring message, but I wouldn't preach it again. You might ask, was it, was it maybe theologically inaccurate? It wasn't that. It was actually, I think, quite an inspiring message. But here's the problem with this message for me, is that I described Paul and I said, you know, Paul was like the, the, the Jack Bauer or the Chuck Norris of the Bible. He was hardcore, and it, it was impossible for, for anything to stop him. And then I, I spoke about how the gospel came into Paul's life and took this passion, this zeal, this grit. You know how we use the word grit often? You'll see books about grit, and it's about the ability to plow through difficulties. This grit was taken by the Lord through the gospel and was de um, redirected for his kingdom. What's wrong with a message like that, you might ask? See, subtly, what I was communicating in this message was something like this. God used a lot of Paul's grit and a little bit of the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit and brought about this life. See, my brother's a gritty character. I remember when my brother was about maybe 10 or, yeah, I think he was about 10 years old, and he was, he was running a five-kilometer race on the little island we lived in called St. Lucia in the West Indies. And my brother set out, and right at the beginning of the race, he tripped over some, some people, and he injured his knee. And my brother hobbled and finished those 5Ks, and he beat a lot of the adults in the race. And I remember being inspired by my brother's race. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, I would... I, I hear a story like that, and I was inspired, but I thought something like this. If that was me, where's the stretcher? Where's the guy with the, with the uh, jelly tots and the energade? I've done my bit. I am not hobbling across any line. See, that's the problem with reading into characters in the Bible like that where we read them and we, we see all these characteristics and these personality qualities and we try to emulate those personality qualities thinking that that's the, the power of their lives. But this is how the Bible says we should actually follow people in the Bible. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It says imitate their faith not imitate their actions, not imitate their personality. It's imitate their faith. Because you see, if you, if you read Paul's story like that, and you read about gritty Paul, 
what could often happen is, is, is you see the life of Paul and you see what he goes through and it's truly incredible. I mean, he's, he's stoned. There's a time when Paul gets stoned and dragged outside the city and he gets up and goes back into the city. And you see, when I, when I hear a story like that, if I just think of it as Paul's personality, I am not inspired because, you see, I see myself running in the opposite direction. I am not going back in that city. You'll just see my bum as I cross over that hill. That's, that's me. I know that's me. And the danger of, of reading it like that is we, we read these stories and they don't help us because we view the characters a little bit like, you know, the guy from Mission Impossible who jumps off a building to catch the helicopter. And we watch that. How many of us are actually watching that and thinking, hey, let me do that? Of course not. It really helps us, though, if we realize that perhaps without the power of Jesus, Paul is on the hills running away from the city. But with the power and the presence of Jesus, he stands up in the face of the greatest threat to his life and he enters the city again because Jesus is worth it. Maybe that's a better reading of the scripture. So I want to talk to you about the power of an eternal perspective and that was one of the controlling factors in Paul's life. When you look at Paul's life, you can't make sense of his actions without understanding that there's a bigger thing controlling him and it is a vision of Jesus as the eternal king. It's, a, it's, 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 not just a, it's just not just a gritty personality. So let's talk about Paul's eternal perspective. Notice in verse 24, and I love this. I love this scripture. This is the kind of stuff which puts hair on your chest. Women are probably not excited about that thought, but makes you excited and, and makes you realize that we can do great things through God. Verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You see, do you see that word account? That's an accounting term. Pretty much what Paul is saying here is if you see two scales, and you can see on this side my comfort, all those dreams, that car, that house, that, that the easy life. And you see on the other scale my calling in Jesus. This, they, there might as well not be anything on this other scale because this is so weighty, so valuable, so beautiful, so precious to me that I don't count this as anything when I compare it to this. Now that might sound like crazy talk, like the, the stuff you watch for inspiration, you know, those motivational videos. But I believe that every Christian needs something bigger than themselves to live for, and if necessary, to die for. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, God has put eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? It means basically that you are designed and you won't, for eternity and you won't be satisfied watching uh, Jack Bauer clutch onto a plane. You have to live a bigger life and it's only an eternal vision 
that will give you that. And I, I'm, not really, I'm not speaking just about a life plan. Yes, that's great. You know, your 15-year your plan. If this was a different message, maybe we'd be speaking about that. But, but I'm speaking about something a lot bigger and a lot more powerful. I'm, I'm talking about living with the, re, with the sense that one day, both you and I will be eyeballed eye to eye by our great, kind, generous Lord Jesus. And he will ask us, he will say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Now let's talk about your life. Let's talk about the gifts and the calling that I gave you. What did you do with it? You see, it's not actually about worrying about judgment and penalty. It's realizing that Jesus is so good. He promises us so much that we can't just live for the day to day. Life has to be so much more than just about bills and kids and, and rugby and, and jobs and what people think about us. And It has to be about the bigger things. You, your life will be determined by what you see, by what you feel is ultimately important. And so we, we, we need that sense of a bigger thing. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, I live for two days, today and that day. Do you live for that day? Do you see the fact that Jesus Christ has offered so much more we are not creatures of the here and now. We're creatures born for an eternal life. How do you recognize an eternal perspective? How do you know when you're living for eternity? This might surprise you. It's not something that I thought of at first, but an incident happened, and uh, we, we, were, we were at Connect Group, and I, I asked the guys, I spoke about grumbling and complaining and, and how we talk about... Um, our nation, and because we were talking about how the, some of the regulations lo during lockdown seemed quite arbitrary, and someone had lost their, their was had lost their livelihood because of the some of the restrictions, and and so there was lots of complaining, and and so I dropped the question. I said, "How do we stop complaining? How do we, in the midst of real negativity, bring positivity in a real life-giving way?" And we didn't have an answer, so we said we'd go and think about it. And as I was preparing this message, I thought about Paul's life. Here's the astonishing thing about Paul's life. Paul's life is full of difficulty. Absolutely chock-a-block full of difficulty. There's, there's not a moment where he talks about being stoned. He talks about, and not that kind of stone. Um, he talks about difficulty, pain. He talks about, about um, shipwreck. He talks about being... being um, Lost at sea, he talks about being beaten 39 lashes several times. And then he talks about the pressure of all the churches. And, and you look at Paul's life, this was not an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, what you notice in Paul's life is that, that actually stands out is a lack of grumbling, a lack of self-pity. In fact, what you find is joyful Excitement. I mean, Paul is in prison in Philippians, and he is speaking with so much joy. In fact, Philippians, a, a, a letter written from prison, is referred to often as the, as the epistle of joy, the letter of joy. How does that even happen? 
Paul's own words. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And so Paul is basically, in simple terms, he's saying this. He's saying, when I think about eternity, when I think about all that Jesus Christ promises me and all that he's doing, when I, when I look in his face and when I, when I see him and how generous and how kind he is, stoning is nothing. Being whipped is nothing. The anxiety is nothing. Being hunted down is nothing. Nothing I go through can compare to that. And then he says, it makes it seem like what I'm suffering is just a moment because for eternity, forever and ever, I'll be enjoying all that Jesus gives. Have you ever seen a groom complaining about his bride being five minutes late? Can you imagine the bride is arriving and the groom is like, hey you, what are you doing two minutes late? We agreed. What's wrong with you? I, I can guarantee you've never seen that. Why is that? Because the groom, <laughs> even, even if the bride is two hours late, the second she shows up, you see the groom's eyes pouring with water because he, he knows the glory that he's getting. How much more what Jesus promises. We spend far too much time thinking about the here and now. Far too much time, and we get consumed with the now, and it brings our hearts down. But if we think and dream and see the eternal, it'll change our perspective. Now, you might, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Paul's experience of the eternal God. Because you see, I'm not just saying that we need to, we need to see eternity. When you're really struggling, when there are real trials, when there's real difficulty... You need more than just the idea of heaven. You need the reality. And the only person who can give us the reality of heaven is the eternal God himself. So I wonder if these words stuck out to you when I read it, but they certainly stuck out to me. Verse 22 of the, passage, the main passage we've been reading. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await me. Do you notice it's the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit, not the enemy, who tells him that suffering and pain and difficulty are coming. It's so encouraging when it comes from him. It, it, from anyone else, that would be a really discouraging message. But you know, if Jesus says you're going to go through trials, you know it's the guarantee that he will be present in the trials. Twice in my life, the Holy Spirit has warned me that major difficulty and suffering are coming. The first time was in 2015. I'll never forget it. And uh, I had just moved to Stellenbosch. It was about May or June. And uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, Fifi, trouble's coming. And like a true, true Christian soldier, I said, you've got to be joking. God, I'm not keen. And uh, I think I thought it was a suggestion 
And what happened is in the next couple of months, the bottom fell out of my boat. I, a relationship that I'd been pursuing for about four years finally came together. It was a disaster. It was the wrong thing. I thought it was God. I was certain it was God. It wasn't God. It lasted three weeks. I was working six and a half, six and a half hours, six and a half days a week, and the pressure started getting to me. And then worse than that, there was a sense of, I really felt, really felt totally alone because I had left all my friends in Grahamstown and, and the entire thing and I struggled to fit into the new staff team and the entire thing settled in, in, in until I hit absolute rock bottom, the most difficult season of my life. I, I, could, I started struggling with anxiety. I'd never struggled with anxiety before in my entire life. And I, I, would make, I would send two emails and then I would be too anxious to do anything else. In. And I remember deciding, okay, this is the end of it. This is the end of ministry for me. And uh, we had uh, the, I think it was a Word and Spirit conference coming up. And I said, Lord, I just don't have the energy to resign right now. So when I come back, I'm going to resign. And I, I decided, I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. I, I was in the worst state I've ever been in. And I remember going to the conference. And uh, it was the most unusual thing because the first person I met as soon as he greeted me, he grabbed my hand and said, I've got a word for you. And, he be, and the word started off with, you've been in such a difficult place. And then he began to prophesy. And I thought, that's strange. And then I, I met two other people. And they, they would hold my hand and then they would say, you've been in such a difficult place. And they'd begin to prophesy. And, and, and I'm, my mind is like, but God, you've been there all along. And the, the clincher for me was in a room full of, I think there were about 4,000 of us in the room. And uh, Pastor Gillian is, 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 is leading the service, and he's, he's, as he's leading the service, he says, there's someone here who wants to quit ministry. You're in a very difficult place. And he began to prophesy, and everything was the exact details of my life in a room of 4,000 people. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper into my heart, I know where you are. Even if no one else knows where you are, I know where you are. And you see, this is the power of the situation. When you look in Paul's life, what you've got is not just someone with an eternal perspective. You've got someone through his trials, you see Jesus whispering at key moments and saying, courage, Paul. Courage, I'm with you. And that's the promise of God for us, that in the midst of our most difficult trials, he doesn't just give us an eternal perspective. He gives us an eternal perspective, but he gives us his eternal presence as well. And, you know, as I came out of this, I received things that I would have never, ever, ever received unless it was through the trials. You see, once I hit rock bottom, my hands were open, and God exchanged my sense of, of I was trying to build a calling. And all that was left after the trials was nothing. And I said to God, I don't have anything. And then God began to teach me about sonship. And out of that, for the first time, I wasn't trying to make a calling. I was receiving a calling. You see, I was a son loved. And then God was giving me a calling. And 
It was free, and I wasn't trying to earn anything. You see, what had been driving me to work six and a half days of the week, suddenly the pressure was gone, and God had changed stuff in me that would last for eternity. You see, I had been so concerned about gaining the things now. Fire gives us things that, we will, that will last for eternity. I would never go back on that. Very, very practically, here are two things that you find happen in the midst of trials that you can trust God for. You see, some of you are going through difficult times right now. Absolutely. All of us at some point will go through major difficult times. And the fact that we are going through the coronavirus epidemic, COVID-19 epidemic, whatever you'd like to call it, for the children of God, this is an opportunity. Here are two things that I think you can trust God for. The first one, powerful eternal prayers. You see, praying changes completely in seasons of difficulty. If you look at Paul's life, he was in major struggle, but listen to the content of his prayers. And I think it's particularly because of what he was going through that his prayers were the prayers that you hear in the scriptures. Paul's primary prayers. Look, for example, Ephesians. And if, you do, if, you are, if you're like me, who sometimes struggles to figure out, God, what do I pray? My prayers feel so small, so insignificant. I read Paul's prayers, and you can too. So like Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, just, just look at Paul's prayers. And, and here's the nature of praying that is developed in trial. You don't pray these temporary, God, rescue me. God, I want out. God, all of a sudden, your heart is drawn to the heart of Jesus, and your prayers have eternal power. And you begin to pray, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, you begin to pray prayers for God's kingdom to come. You begin to pray prayers of, Lord, show me yourself. You know, Paul, Paul says it like this. He says, um, Lord, Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know you better. Those are the kind of prayers that are forged in the fire. Because you see, those prayers, when you look from the viewpoint of eternity, you will see that those prayers work incredible things because they come from him, they come to you, and they, they, will, they, will, they will bear fruit not only in your life, but in the life of people that you pray for, for eternity. Here's the second and last thing, and I'll finish with this point. Ministry emerges from the fire. This is how Paul put it. He says, you know, we, I, was, I faced difficulties far beyond my ability to endure. In fact, I was worried that I wouldn't survive. And he says, we went through this, but we experienced the power of Jesus. And it says, I received comfort so that I might comfort others. This is what he's saying. He's saying that when we go through trials, we feel weak. We feel like we can't do it sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I feel like I just, I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel. Oh, I and he says, that comes so that you rely on Jesus 
And Jesus comes and he ministers into areas in your heart. And you receive far more than you did before you went into the trial. And suddenly you see who Jesus is. Before you knew Jesus was compassionate, suddenly overflowing out of your heart is the compassion of Jesus. And so you go to other people and you say, hey, hey. You know where the difference between just trying to minister and ministry that lasts into eternity is the trials. The crushing, the difficulty bears anointing, it bears faith, and it creates the kind of ministry that truly transforms, truly brings life. You know, we, we want power. You want powerful ministry? That comes in the trials. As Jesus ministers to you, then you see ministry coming out of you. Here's a novel thought. You want to you wanna see ministry flow from your life? How about starting in an area where you struggle with sin, temptation, difficulty? Do this. Say, Jesus, I know this is not accidental. I know this is working for my good and for your glory. And watch Jesus come into that space and begin to heal and begin to bring life where bitterness or resentment should have come out, watch the joy and the peace and the life come and be stored in your heart. You see, there's a, there's a scripture that says we're like clay jars and the treasure is on the inside. That's what difficulties do. They bring, imagine a clay jar with all this treasure inside. Difficulties reveal the treasure with Jesus which is in you. And so the anointing and the grace begins to flow. And you'll find that your life has an impact on so many people around you. Not from the areas that you thought you were so strong in, but in the areas where you face challenge and pain. So, so church, I just want to invite us in this season that we're in right now to trust for powerful prayer from the heart of Jesus and for the anointing and the grace that comes from the difficulties that we are plowing through to flood from our lives. Isn't this a season of opportunity? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I, I pray that as we think on eternal things, that the life of God would flood out of our lives. I pray for people right now who are in major difficulty and feel like they're out of the will of God. I pray for the eternal perspective and the eternal reminder that, they, that they're in the will of God, that they can't escape your will, and that you have brought this so that the life of God may be seen. Father, I pray for courage that comes from your spirit. I pray for boldness. I pray for grit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you, church. Take this word and pray and minister to others. Amen.